Young British man David Cornthwaite is on a trans-Australian journey on a skateboard. From Perth to Brisbane on a skateboard. A 6,000 kilometre journey. Mate, are you nuts? A bike on water's being used to tackle litter. The current British record holder for the fastest aqua skip over 100 metres. You could have taken up knitting, that's a good challenge. I tried that, I was rubbish at it though. <laughs> British adventurer Dave Cornthwaite. Dave Cornthwaite. Dave Cornthwaite. Hello Dave. Welcome back, I'm your host Dave Cornthwaite and this is episode 3 of the Human Tortoise podcast coming to you from a big blue bus in a gorgeous patch of West Sussex countryside. I honestly don't think I can ever get tired of, of piecing together little clips from, from interviews I've done over the years. Uh, what never ceases to surprise me is how nobody can pronounce my name. Every single day I find a few more. Um, at some point I think I'll, I'll, I'll nail the right montage, but for now I'll just keep on playing. So I mentioned I'm, I'm by a big blue bus, so if you don't know about the Yes Bus, stay tuned for the full story in a few minutes. Yesterday I shared the tale of how adventure has become my central theme as I left my last job in 2005 and then slowly worked out a way to conjure up a living from doing a bunch of random stuff that made people look at me funny. But I only touched briefly on Say Yes More, so I thought seeing as I'm down at the bus this weekend it would be a good idea to tell the Say Yes More story from the beginning to get you right up to speed. As always, I'm totally open to content ideas, so if you have any thoughts, drop me a tweet or an Instagram message to at Dave Korn and let me know what you'd like to hear about. But enough about all that, let's get back to the story of Say Yes More. It started as a personal motto, a gentle reminder that saying no all the time not only ensured a pretty bland life, but would eventually have a reductive impact on my general attitude. Saying yes was a decision that gave me new experiences, friends, life-changing ideas and improved my mental and physical health. And ever since I let that motto influence my general path through life, things have gotten better and better. I told you yesterday that I woke up on the morning of my 25th birthday and realised my cat had a much better life than me. And I'm not even joking, it might, it might sound like a, a well-rehearsed tale and maybe in some regards it definitely is, but... I honestly thought, wow, as a human and all of the, all of the potential decisions uh, I, I could be making, why am I choosing to have a life that I don't really enjoy? Uh, and I started to, to whittle it down and the bare essentials were, I said no a hell of a lot. I lived near, uh, I lived in Swansea in South Wales and I didn't go surfing, uh, I went surfing I think once in, in six years. Uh, and that, that kind of sums it up. I was a long-haired kid as well, so uh, I definitely should have been spending my time on the waves. Uh, I didn't really uh, go and see my friends too much. I didn't have too many experiences, new skills or hobbies, etc., etc., etc. And right back then, I decided that Say Yes More should be, uh, should be a motto that I felt would, would, would drag me out of the doldrums. Um, so it, it led on to, uh, to, to quitting the job and then, and then starting to try a whole bunch of new adventures and, and projects. It started off skateboarding across the UK and Australia and then I had a, a couple of years when I, was, when I was kind of drifting around but pretty determined to, to try and create some kind of interesting life. Back then, between 2007 and 2009, I didn't really know what that meant but slowly it evolved into uh, out of a couple of social projects and then more and more long distance endurance adventures uh, and say yes more was always just this this quiet message that i didn't talk about at all and then in 
August 2012, or maybe maybe a, a couple of months before that, I was I knew that I was going to take on uh, probably the hardest hardest challenge that uh, I'd I'd decided on up until then, and that was to take a pair of swimming goggles that my parents had got me for Christmas the the previous Christmas, and and then swim 1,000 miles down the Missouri River or the Lower Missouri. Uh, I I I figured that um, I'd have uh, a huge amount of time to, to practice swimming once I got on the trip and usually I don't train at all for these these Expedition 1000 journeys but uh, I remember I wrote to Orca who make who make wetsuits and and they were they were really supportive and sent me a couple of them and I thought to myself maybe this is where I where I break the habit of, of not training for my trips I've heard that swimming can be pretty hard so I went down to uh, uh, Brockwell Lido in South London and uh, pulled, pulled on this, this wetsuit uh, and, and then jumped in the pool and I, I must have done maybe oh, I don't know three or four lengths and I was just absolutely knackered and I, I couldn't get the breathing right because of the waves generated by the other swimmers <laughs> and, and I, just, I just got out of the pool and thought uh, you know what I, I'm just going to learn on the Missouri I've got, I've got two months to swim so where, where Say Yes More comes into all of this, uh, it, might, it might sound like I just gave up on swimming because I, because I didn't do any more than four lengths in that pool. But actually for me, uh, just, just, just saying yes before you're ready is such a powerful message. And, and I knew that I'd, I'd be in the Missouri River for, uh, for a couple of months, you know, a, a fair few weeks. And I definitely learned to swim in that time if I, if I did it every single day. Uh, and I'd, I felt like I, I could definitely take that challenge on. I was. Uh, I wanted to raise some money for Copperfield, uh, a, ch a charity about breast cancer awareness, run by my friend Chris, who was diagnosed with stage four breast cancer when she was, I think, uh, I think she was 24 years old. Um, I might have to fact check that. But Chris had set up this incredible charity called Copperfield. I wanted to raise money for them, and I, I, I figured that I'd just be way too tired having swum all day every day down a big river to do any justice to the fundraising effort. So uh, I, I recruited a team, I uh, put a little message on my website and Facebook and all of that stuff. Uh, and slowly uh, a, a team started to build up. And a couple of months before the trip, I, I was wondering what, uh, what message I should put on the t-shirts. I, I felt like the idea of having kind of this generic um, and time-stamped Missouri River Expedition 2012 on a t-shirt was pretty boring and I, I just thought how, how cool would it be just to have a, a positive message on, on the shirts and, and I just got to thinking and, and slowly I just, I just realised that Say Yes More was the most obvious one. Um, it had been my personal motto for so long and uh, I hadn't really talked about it up until then. But I, we printed up, we found a, a printer, I think in Missouri or Dakota or something like that. And they sent the t-shirts into Chamberlain, South Dakota and uh, where the journey was, where the swim uh, was due to start. And we had a big launch party in this brilliant uh, hotel right by the Missouri, this huge river flowing by. I'd never seen it before. Um, apart from the year before, I'd seen the, the very end, uh, the mouth of the Missouri as it, as it drops into the, the Mississippi River just above St. Louis. Um, that was the only other time I'd seen the Missouri and I was just, I was so looking forward to the next day. Um, at that stage, just 24 hours out, the nerves are, the nerves about, about going off on a new journey are completely gone and it, 
And I just thought, you know what, that river's, that river's basically a flowing swimming pool. Yeah, there might be a few eddies and a bit more currents than perhaps you'd find in Brockwell Lido in South London, but I was, I was just excited. Uh, we, so we had this big launch party, loads of locals came out, maybe uh, 150 people, and we sold every one of those 100 t-shirts that we'd had printed up with Say Yes More on the front. Um, obviously kept a couple back for, for the team, but I'd figured that it would take the whole journey, the whole eight weeks to, uh, to get rid of those shirts. Um, we, you know, we'd give them to people who helped us out or maybe sell them for, for more more fundraising bucks on the way down but every single one of the shirts went at the launch party and that was the first little hint that maybe this idea of saying yes more was was a message that i should talk about a little bit uh a little bit more something something to share so that's that's what i did for the i'd always wanted to um uh, i guess uh be able to decide to go to a do a country or a continent and do a speaking tour but not have to go to huge lengths to organize it. I wanted to be at a stage where my social media following, I guess, was big enough um, and, I, and loyal enough in, in some regards that I could, I could put a message or two and say, I'm planning to go to, say, the United States of America and do a speaking tour for the month of September. And then enough response would come back just from that message to, uh, to make a tour happen. Uh, so after I after I swam the Missouri, um, and I'll do an episode all about that that journey uh, a little bit later this month. But I swam for 58 days, uh, and it was it was a proper hard trip. Um, and getting getting out of that water in St. Louis after swimming one one thousand and one miles was was just a brilliant feeling. And I was just exhausted after that trip. But I had about a, a month a month off the river. I stayed in St. Louis. And then, uh, and then decided to do a speaking tour around the U.S. So I, I posted, I, I posted a message on Facebook, and, and sure enough, uh, enough people came came back to, uh, to say, yeah, we'd love you to come and, and speak to our community club or our business or our school or whatever it might be. So I, I travelled around for a little bit of time after that and printed up a, a couple of hundred more T-shirts with "Say Yes More" on and. And people were buying them, and it was just this this revelation. I called I called that speaking tour the Say Yes More tour, and I spoke to maybe one and a half thousand people in, uh, you know, in in a few weeks, and and it was all the most most of these talks were pretty low level, kind of hashed together in the last minute. But it was lovely uh, getting into a, a an intimate audience, um, chatting about. Uh, what I'd done in the past and kind of just having other conversations on stage with with other people and it was uh, it was really fulfilling um, and I yeah so the Say Yes More tour uh, really really got, I guess started off the, um, the the public side of sharing that message and I realized there was there was something in that message that resonated way beyond me there was some real value in sharing it it didn't take long before I was receiving emails and and Facebook messages from people saying oh I, you know I've started saying yes more since I listened to your talk or have heard you talk about it on the radio or whatever and um, and it's really made a difference and you know it wasn't just people going off on big adventures they were quitting jobs that were sucking their soul one guy even uh, wrote me a message saying you know what, I heard about Say Yes More and there's been this amp, a music amp, uh, in the corner of my lounge for two years and it's been broken. And I, I just thought to myself this morning, 
ah, you know what? You need to say yes more. So he said, I'm going to say yes more. And he got up and fixed the amp. And I absolutely love that. Uh, I love that it'd been, it had gone beyond adventure. A couple of years after I completed that swim down the Missouri, uh, in early 2015, uh, I was coming to the end of a relationship and it wasn't the easiest time. But I guess at a time like that, you start thinking about what's, what's the next phase in life. I'd also been on the move for a long, long time and was really starting to feel the need for a community. Uh, so I, I thought rather than just try and find one, uh, I was just like, hell, why, why don't I just start one myself with you know, exactly the type of people I want to be hanging out with? I'd, I'd been on the move pretty much since 2007 at that point and, and this was to continue for a little while longer but I was starting to feel tired and I, I wanted to be in the same place more often than not um, and, and build up a friendship group. I've always had a passion for, for I guess using my stories to get people to be doing new things, uh, lead happier lives and, and, and getting outside. There's, there's, there's so much value in medicine in in walking out into the into the open air and it helps you make those big uh, quality decisions in life which I really don't believe you can make in a room uh, and it, it also just feels good it, you don't feel like looking at your screen when when you're outside so I, I guess the the natural next phase almost felt like developing a community uh, based on uh, based on getting outside so I, I then found myself looking at my Facebook page, which I think back in 2015 maybe had, I don't know, six and a half, seven thousand followers. Um, that's a guess, but it was, it was a few thousand. And I realized that I didn't really know many of them. Uh, some of them had tuned in because uh, I'd, I'd met them en route on a journey and obviously my family were on there and, and whatever. But I just decided to kind of embark on on a joint project that summer, not just trying to create a community, but also just to try and uh, turn those Facebook followers into real people. So I did it by, uh, by posting an invite to come camping near London. Um, I, I asked a, a couple of friends uh, to get involved and help organise that, that, that first trip. And I, I came back to England and I think a couple of days, I'd been away for a while, and a couple of days after that, um, I headed off to uh, Marlebone train station and uh, I, sometimes I tell this story and I get a bit muddled because so much has happened since. I think I, uh, once upon a time I said it was Liverpool Street but thinking back it was Marlebone train station and we took a train out and 19 people met underneath the clock in the station um, and, and a couple of the faces were familiar but for everybody else they were all strangers um, and there were a whole bunch of people I didn't know there either. So we, we got a train out for half an hour and and just walk, walked up a hill to a place called Wendover Woods. And, and there was this little kind of barbecue uh, on a stick there, which, which I guess was there for other people camping. And we, we set a fire going and, and, and stopped in at a supermarket before we walked up the hill and everyone just kind of like roasted a sausage or a pepper or whatever, took their fancy. And we got to know each other around, around that fire. Uh, and then everyone kind of slinked off to their hammocks or their tents or their bivy bags. And uh, it just felt like such a, a lovely night. Um, people got up early the next morning and headed back to work. It was a, it was a school night and, um, 
and I kind of imagine that they were all just a little bit smelly and perhaps a touch sheepish just kind of walking into work wearing the same clothes that they wore when they left the night before with the same rucksack on their back but um, I also had the feeling that they just had such a good night and they'd, they'd made 18 new friends uh, and I certainly felt that way as well and, and it was an absolute no-brainer to do the same thing the next week and, and that week like 25 people turned up and then we did it again and 29 turned up and uh, these weren't all the same people uh, so obviously kind of people were chatting about this and after that first or maybe it was even just before that first camp out I'd, I'd thought okay, uh, I'd like to create this community around this tribe. I wasn't uh, around the people who came camping. I wasn't really sure whether it would work and I didn't even know whether I had the energy to kind of go beyond that one, that one camp. But the first one was, uh, was so invigorating, that, that little micro-adventure, that it made sense just to carry on. So we, we had a, a Facebook group then called The Yes Tribe and I think I had a page on my website called join Dave or something silly like that and sure enough every every single week sometimes twice a week I'd host a new camp out uh, I'd get together with uh, with other people who had a little bit of a following or some kind of interest in organizing outdoor stuff uh, and we went paddleboarding down the Thames and uh, around the coast in Cornwall we had kind of mindfulness based weekends and sometimes it was just simply you know heading out for the summer solstice up to up to Hadley Castle in uh, in Essex and and yeah I think the biggest the biggest camp out was maybe maybe 50 people or so so a few a few uh, you know really nice relationships started to form um in those in those first few weeks which I w wasn't to know at the time but um, some of those faces would become really integral parts of Say Yes More as it turned from just a message into a movement and then, um, and then an organisation, I guess a social enterprise, uh, which, which started to kind of form around all of this stuff. At the end of that summer in October 2015, uh, maybe six weeks in advance uh, before it actually happened, uh, I got together with with some of those brand new friends who I'd met during these camping trips, and uh, we decided to run a festival. I'd always wanted to to run a yestival. <laughs> it had been in my mind for for maybe a decade, but it wasn't until that moment that there was a community. There was there were actually people who could come to this festival that I could see actually turning up. So. Um, we didn't really have a great deal of experience in this stuff. Uh, everyone just kind of mulled in. I did a whole bunch of the project management work. Andy was great with uh, insurance and fire extinguishers and lighting and spreadsheets. And Julia had um, had organised a few events uh, in the past. And uh, and then a guy called Tim uh, worked in. Uh, his family had a farm in Kent, and we decided he managed to, you know get get some kind of permission for us to have a festival on on that farmland and we we brought it together in, in such a small amount of time and honestly when it happened 180 people turned up I pulled in I pulled in loads of kind of built-up credit over the years and asked loads of friends from the world of adventure to to come into the the yesterville field and oh man it was it was just really really special uh, honestly up until then the best weekend of my lifetime uh, it, w it was amazing. We had 35 speakers, I think, from the world of adventure and science and just people who had done something. They were just examples of once upon a time having made a decision and then acted on it. And it was, 
it was magic. They all stayed around for the whole weekend, and uh, it just felt like such an amazing vibe. There was there was something fizzing in the air, and I, I guess in the months and uh, and the year after that that first Yestival, it really felt like something was taking off. The the, the Yes tribe uh, grew not only on Facebook, but our events uh, started to get more populated. We um, bit by bit, you know, started to sell out so didn't have to push them so much and word of mouth was totally doing the trick and I've always loved that organic growth with any kind of project and this was very much the case. Uh, it felt totally natural uh, and I, I didn't want to kind of do any advertising and our events were were, were, were pretty affordable I suppose. Um, in fact, after Yesterville, uh, the only other paid event we had was uh, a monthly Yes Stories where uh, six to eight speakers would come in to a venue in London, usually kind of just downstairs in a pub or, uh, and, and just share, share a five or ten minute story about something they'd done. Uh, and it was, it was always the same kind of vibe that we'd had at Yesterville the, uh, the October before. And God, everything just felt really, really good. Uh, and, and it felt like there was enough demand to, to keep on going. It was a whole bunch of work, not just kind of like setting up these events, but mediating the Facebook group. As soon as we went over a thousand people, suddenly, uh, you know, companies were realizing that this was a really great demographic, an outdoor, loving, mindful, healthy uh, group of people who were, who were actually, who were really active and, and willing to get out there and do stuff. And I'd spent so long just kind of batting companies away who were trying to promote their products just straight onto the group. So yeah, we had to kind of create a few just general rules for that and um, keep the events going. I was slowly then finding other people to host campouts and yes stories when I was away on, on expeditions. And yeah, the thing started just to snowball and, and it turned into, uh, well, way more than I could have imagined after that first campout. Around about the time that I decided to host that first Yes Tribe campout, um, I also was, was thinking about another idea that had been brewing for me for a long time. I'd always been fascinated by the idea of tiny houses and, and, and living uh, with minimal possessions. I guess I'd, been, I'd just been living out of uh, a bag, sometimes two, for the best part of a decade. Um, and, and learning how to make a living and, and travel and explore along the way. And so actually kind of the idea of a tiny house was for me quite a big thing. It was, it was properly sizing up. I'd have to buy more stuff. But every time I got onto a bus in London, I thought to myself, wow, what, what could you do with this if you took all the seats out? There's so much potential and space in this. One of the uh, people who came along to uh, a Yes Tribe camp out, I think maybe it was the sixth or seventh and it was in Oxshot Woods uh, towards the end of August in 2015. Uh, a guy cycled up on a bicycle and introduced himself as Chris and uh, he, was, he was an engineer for British Airways at Heathrow and I immediately liked Chris. He was, he was a brilliant lad. He was, he, he was just really, really friendly, super open um, one of these beautifully candid, honest people, and I, uh, I, I guess we just we just clicked straight away. Um, for for a while, uh, I'd been running a mindset, a growth mindset project called. Uh, 
exploring mindset um, and I've been doing it with uh, a, an ocean advocate and, and skipper called Emily Penn and we we at the time were, were sizing up for a trip at the end of 2015 uh, along a stretch of the Mississippi River and Chris ended up coming on that this was this was in in September uh, 2015 Chris and I got on really well then and then uh, he was he was super helpful uh, with with the planning of the first Yesterville. And I started to talk to him a little bit more about, about the Yes bus, um, this, this, this concept that I'd had in my mind. And now we had a community, not only to fill a festival, but uh, we had hundreds, maybe over a thousand people in the Yes Tribe group. It felt like it was time for some kind of HQ. And the, the natural leaning was not to get a place in the middle of London, but to, to form a countryside HQ. And for me, the, the, the most obvious answer, obviously, was to put a bus in the middle of the countryside and kind of built a campsite around it in a fire pit and, um, and basically a, a beautiful incentive for people to get out of the city away from all the stress and anxiety and uh, overworking nature uh, that really brings people's mental health down in the city and give them a good reason, a good place to go and hang out, work, get creative, come up with new ideas, plan new adventures, meet cool people. Um, within, within kind of touching distance of London, uh, where the tribe was certainly cent uh, centralised back then, but, uh, you know, uh, still far enough away to, to feel like you could probably have a break. So I, I've all, all I'm not very good with my hands and I've always thought down uh, along the way that you know if I'm not very good at something I'll find somebody else who is good at that thing and we'll 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 partner up you should always outsource your weaknesses um you can't learn everything you can't be totally in control as much as it kills me so Chris and I got to chatting and uh, in early 2016, we started looking around for potential land where we could put a bus. We visited a farm uh, near Watford in the north of London. It was, wasn't quite right. And we realised that through that discussion with that farmer uh, and also a few more email conversations I'd been having that it was really hard to try and show people what we wanted to do just through words when we didn't even know what this project could be. So we, after visiting that farm, we, we went to a local Greasy Spoon cafe and got a late breakfast and just got chatting. And I remember just turning to Chris and we were both really excited about the idea of getting a bus on this project, but had no idea what to do about the land. And I turned to Chris and said, why don't we just buy the bus and find the land later? And, and we shook on it. And the, I, I guess the deal, uh, the handshake deal was that Chris would use all of his engineering might uh, and know-how to, to spend a while converting the bus uh, and, and then once it was ready, uh, I, I guess I'd take the lead in the project and, and, and turn the bus and the space that we'd ultimately create into a workable project. And uh, it just, it, it's just been a, a lovely circular journey ever, ever since then. Chris spent the best part of 18 months, almost two years actually, just converting the bus in a boatyard near uh, in Shepparton, uh, near where he lives in West London. And then before our third Yesterval, uh, which is now held in Brinsbury campus uh, in near Pulborough and Billingshurst in West Sussex, uh, two days before uh, the festival in October 2017, a few months back, 
the the bus drove up the track through the gates and parked itself on a spot uh, where it sits right now. Um, and back then it was just a muddy, a muddy field in October preparing for a big old 500 people coming in for the third festival and there was nothing else around. Uh, and now um, in early August, just a few months later, we have uh, we have an amazing sight. It's been a pretty dry summer, so it's certainly not as green as I would have liked, but um, we have a, a huge fire pit uh, over in the distance. We've got a second venue, uh, which is a Lotus Bell tent where we have little workshops and, and people can sleep at night. It's kind of like low-level glamping. We've got signposts all around, hammocks uh, on site. We've got a shipping container, which is all cladded with Wayne Edge timber, which contains everything that Say Yes More needs for for Yesterville and the running of the bus on a regular basis. We opened the doors to the bus in uh, April officially, I guess. We've completely landscaped the, the whole plot and worked hand in hand with Brinsbury Campus. Um, we give them 100 man hours a year plus a little bit of rent uh, to have this spot, but it's, it's just been an absolutely amazing project. Chris has put so much time in and as have so many other people in, in the course of Say Yes More's life, we now have a team of 25 regular volunteers. We've got uh, little Yes tribes in 10 different locations around the UK outside of London and also a whole bunch of foreign tribes from Belgium to Melbourne in Australia, South Dakota, uh, Denmark and, and a few more chucked in as well, a really active one in, in southern Germany. And it's just amazing what this has turned into. So many people have dedicated thousands of hours accumulatively to, to making this non-profit project work. We don't really have a great deal of capital. The idea for Yesterville, and it continues to be uh, our driving force, is to uh, any profits that come out of that festival, that's what we use to, to grow the tribe and put on events um, in, in the following year. And while it's uh, now and then requires a huge amount of time and dedication uh, and gosh so many other projects that I haven't mentioned but I'm aware that this podcast has suddenly turned into something around about half an hour uh, maybe maybe I'll talk a little bit more about the extraneous projects that we're, we're doing and say yes more but I, I guess the base message all comes from that original motto make the most of life you know learn about yourself by saying yes to different things even if you're scared of them even if people around you are, are questioning why you'd want to do such a silly thing in the first place. Uh, it's about trusting your gut and really making your time on this planet count and also being happy, not just kind of creating a brand out of yourself or, uh, or some kind of new freelance success, but be happy just playing a small part in something so much bigger. Uh, and that's what I really love about the tribe and so many of our projects. It simply They simply couldn't happen um, with just one person. Uh, sometimes it takes one or two people to have an idea and, and create that foundation. But so many other people can, can benefit after that. Uh, I think uh, right now the, the Yes Tribe on Facebook sits around six and a half thousand people. We've got almost 8,000 people on the Say Yes More page. We've got thousands more on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, and then, of course, we've got individual tribes uh, dotted around the country, which each have their own Facebook group. So if this kind of thing uh, has, has perked up your ears and you're not already involved, then um, first of all, thanks for listening uh, all the way through. That's a pretty epic endurance effort. 
as it is. Uh, but please do, you know, dig us out. Have a look at sayyesmore.com and all of the projects that we're running are on there. Um, from the next Yesterville, our fourth one coming up in October, to regular events on the bus. Please come on down here. You'll uh, see exactly why I'm totally in love with this place. Um, we've got projects like the Water Bike Collective, sending a water bike for five months along a thousand mile route with the different riders every single day, collecting a million pieces of litter. Um, and another impactful things. Oh, I should have said, you know, Yesterville, uh, our second and third years. Uh, they were the first. Uh, they were the first single-use plastic-free festival in the UK, and we we did it on a really minimal budget. But the lessons that we learned on that, we've we've shared with a whole bunch of other festivals, and slowly spreading that message as well. Gosh, so much has happened since that first ever campout, but um, and the journey certainly hasn't ended yet. Uh, I've I've always wanted to write a book about say yes more, and I'm still not quite sure what the conclusion is yet. I don't know if the story's come round enough, but. Uh, goodness me, we've got a huge amount of content. So that's enough about Say Yes More for now. Uh, I'm going to wrap up with three podcasts in the bag, but probably about five hours committed to this new hobby so far rather than just 20 minutes each day. I'm going to take the weekend off. I hope that's okay. I'm running a course teaching people how to make awesome films with their smartphones uh, at the Yes Bus until late on Sunday. But after today's history of Say Yes More, maybe when I'm back on Monday, perhaps it would be helpful to discuss uh, a few more ideas around that saying of yes. It can sound a bit hippie when it's, when it's by itself, but what, 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 does say, saying yes, what does saying yes really mean? And also, of course, when should we decide to say no? Um, I'll chat about that on Monday. This podcast is now available on Anchor, Stitcher, Google Podcasts have accepted us and uh, just before I started recording this we had a little email from Spotify saying uh, the Human Tortoise podcast is now on Spotify. How cool is that? Um, We're into day three and already uh, on on some of the big dogs. That's just that's just really really special. Let's just hope that some people end up listening hey. Wherever you listen to it, please do subscribe or favourite the podcast so you can tune in next time and find it easily. Uh, And for all of my other social media, you can follow me on Facebook at Dave Cornthwaite, on Instagram and Twitter through at Dave Corn. And my website is packed with adventures and blogs and films and photos from years of adventure. And that's davecornthwaite.com. Thanks again for listening. Have a great weekend. And don't forget to check out www.sayyesmore.com. Take it easy.